The Start On Demand. On demand. It is 10.20 a.m. as I record this. Additional public health measures are coming today at 12.30 with Premier Brian Pallister and Dr. Brent Rusin set to speak. So this morning, we spoke to the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce to get their take on what could be coming and what they hope ends up happening. Also today, we talked about pesticides because we're focusing on the cosmetic pesticide ban and the fact that the province promised five years ago when they were on the campaign trail that they would review the cosmetic pesticide ban, but five years later, we still haven't heard. So today we talked about yard work, i.e. your most hated yard job. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Monday, April 26th podcast for The Start. New restrictions potentially coming today. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about weeds and pesticides. We'll talk about the rally that happened at the Forks yesterday. But, 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 it is Monday, and we hate Mondays, and both Greg and Loren are having a Monday so far. Um, Greg, why don't we start with you? Because you <laughs> yours started at 1 in the morning. Yeah, with, you know, this... If, if you have a smoke detector, and I suspect just about every single one of us does in their home, when the batteries run low, that distinctive chirp, chirp, <laughs> chirp, you know exactly oh, what it is. God, and it's so like, annoying. seriously, does this have to be happening right now? How long is the interval? Can I possibly sleep through this? <laughs> nope. The interval keeps getting shorter and shorter. I guess I have to get up and deal with this right now. Throw on the lights, get the flashlight out because, oh, I'm painting in my upper hallway where the sensor is and I don't have any lights up right now. Took them down on the weekend. So I'm working with a flashlight, trying to reach up to take down the smoke detector. Oh, it's not that one. It's not the hardwired one. It's the one that's wired to my panel for my security system. So guess what happens the moment I disengage the batteries <laughs> from that sensor? The siren at the security panel goes off <laughs> and the distinctive beep, pop, beep, beep. And I, that means they're calling me on the panel at 1.17 in the morning now. Both kids are up and they're on the panel talking and it's like, yeah, it's okay. We don't have a problem. Uh, we just, uh, uh, the batteries are low. Okay. Uh, is there anything else we can do? No. I'm like, what do you mean? No. <laughs> so I knew as soon as I tried to put this thing back together, they'd be calling back because every single AAA battery I was testing was not working. <laughs> and it was apparent that I wasn't going to have any juice to put back in this thing. Sure enough, they called back. And I said to the woman, I said, I've tried about a dozen AAA batteries. None of them seem to have any power in them. What do I do in the meantime? She says, <laughs> bless her heart. She lives in Salt Lake City, Utah, where I guess they have all sorts of 24-hour stores. But she says to me, she says, well, I'm pretty sure uh, Target or Walmart sell batteries sir yeah. <laughs> yeah. like thanks lady and you know i don't thanks care where you live <laughs> like you know where to get batteries just you're not That's going not to get issue. them at one in the morning lady like you know you should have asked does she have a clock where she is because 
<laughs> so that's how my day started. Um, oh, going on five hours ago now. Oh, and I've been painting already this morning. So, you know. That's, what? Uh, yeah. Well, I was up anyway. I had a banister to paint. So I figured I might as well, might as well paint it. Okay. All right. So that's right. Greg's Monday. Loren, has your computer stopped spinning yet? Nope. Just spinning. It's just sitting here. I I had to reboot my computer because I got some sort of warning. Like, you know, you use programs that goes to show you you just don't understand computers at all. Like every once in a while, the system that we use to play clips on from from radio and write scripts and all the rest, it tells me that uh, I have been locked out or time time sensor lockout thing. I don't even know what it means. I don't know why that happens, but I reboot because, you know, if you phone an engineer, they're going to say, well, did you power off, power on? <laughs> so I do that. But in the, yes, I get these are very minor problems in today's world, but I cannot get over how long it takes for this laptop to reboot. It's I'm like got to be 15 minutes in here and uh, oh, we're in. Now we're in, but I have no internet, so I'm just going to sit here today because who needs internet? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. Internet overrated. Well, I, I have internet to talk to you guys, but it, w- it keeps telling me I have no internet on the laptop, so that makes no sense because I'm connected via the internet to speak with you two. Yeah, that is weird. Computers, Mondays, yeah. hooray. I so- feel like it's apropos because the because it it fits for today, right? That spinning wheel, and it keeps going restarting 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 and that's what we're at right now restart don't mention restart it's like a metaphor for life right now restart we're on a restart today guys well and it and at 12 30 today we're going to find out what happens with the additional public health orders because we got word that the email came in at 8 26 i think was uh, when the first email came in yesterday loren that premier brian pallister and dr brent rusin are set to speak this afternoon at 12 30 and that's rare. I, and, and you and I had just had an outdoor visit yesterday, Brett, where we were speculating. You dropped off some stuff at my place, and uh, we sat on the sat on the front cold front step, uh, socially distanced, and had a chat about what might be coming this week. Um, but I, we have not seen this in this whole year of this pandemic. We've not been given an early heads up like this uh, with in, via the form of an email that goes out, you know, fifteen hours before something's going to happen, saying. We're going to be talking restrictions tomorrow. And so that was that's a rarity. So we know that something's coming. We don't know when. We don't know what. I saw all sorts of tweets last night about people trying to guess what they might crack down on, and particularly the business community saying, hey, unless there's proof that there's been transmission within businesses or restaurants or whatever, leave them alone. Go after the gatherings, which you've been highlighting, because Dr. Rusin's been talking about the gatherings being a problem for weeks now. So what will we see I don't know who's worried. Everybody, I would guess. Uh, We'll speak with the Chamber of Commerce after 7 about what they're thinking may or may not be in this one. What do you want me to add to that? Jackie just left for the gym about 20 minutes ago. She says, is this going to be my last day at the gym for a while? I don't know. You know, a, a good friend of mine who's been on the show with us in the past owns a couple of yoga studios. I was speaking to him last night. He says, as far as I know, there's zero evidence of any transmission in a yoga studio anywhere in Winnipeg, maybe not even in Canada. I know there was that situation with that gym in Quebec that was clearly uh, flouting the, the rules and the regulations. But I think that's where a lot of business owners are right now, especially when they got word of what's coming down today in terms of an announcement, not knowing what's in it, going, hey, you better be able to justify if you're going to close down my business, you better be able to tell me that my 
my area of business and operation is somehow contributing to the rising case numbers. But we start this half hour with a vaccine, because if you're over 18 and you live in downtown East, Point Douglas South, or Inkster East, you are now eligible, Loren, for that COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, those are the three neighborhoods that were identified by the province's COVID hotspots. So they made vaccines available to any adult living in those neighborhoods a few days ago. But they also added adults who might not live in those neighborhoods, but work there in certain jobs that might deal with the public, like school workers, grocery store employees, convenience store clerks, and restaurant staff. And, And Greg, they named the neighborhoods, but... You might not know that that's the name of your neighborhood, depending on and where you're at, right? We all identify differently with where we live. And so that's why what our next guest is doing is, is important. Yeah, and I think that's an important point you make, Loren, to help make sure Manitobans were aware of the change. Our next guest not only worked over the weekend to get the word out, but tried to simplify things so people would understand where and whether or not they qualified based on where they live. Uzoma Azuguera is the NDP MLA for Union Station. Good morning, Uzoma. Good morning, folks. Thank you for taking some time with us, and thanks for working over the weekend to to educate your constituents. Uh, how was this news received by overall by by constituents over the weekend as you were out and about? The the news and the information was received really well. Um, I was fortunate, our team was fortunate to have volunteers in the community actually reach out to us at the end of last week. Uh, Chantel Garand and a, a couple of their folks were really excited to help distribute the information and make sure that folks in our communities were aware that they were now eligible. And I have to say, every business that I went into, folks that I talked to, just even on the streets of Union Station, were really, really excited to find out that they're now eligible. And many folks had actually already booked their appointments. So this flyer that you've created, for those who haven't seen it, uh, could you just describe mm-hmm. the, the, the basic information that you've shared? Absolutely. It's, it's in bright colors so that folks can see it. It stands out. Uh, it, the headline is new COVID-19 vaccine eligibility in Union Station. We thought it was really important for, to identify uh, an area that folks should already sort of be, uh, sort of be familiar with based on uh, the most recent provincial election and what they see on signage in the downtown community. And then it outlines, you know, the age that you have to be, the jobs that you, you must work to qualify Um, It has a map of the area that you live in, and it also has the streets in the area listed so that if, you know, folks aren't sure what the map is really even showing them, um, they can take a look and see if their street is listed on the list. And if it is, then that kind of flags them to maybe think, maybe I qualify for this. And then there's information in regards to where they can use a phone. If they don't have a phone of their own or access to the internet. There are local community organizations, Spencer Neighborhood Association, West Central Women's Resource Center, where they can go and access those things to book an appointment. Yeah, on the list you put, you know, Kennedy Street, Langside, Maryland, Main Street, Memorial. And I thought, I thought that was so important, Uzoma, because like I said, you might not, you might not get the specific name of your neighborhood. Most of, many of us mm-hmm. might not walk around saying, you know, I live in Inkster East or I live here or there. And so I think that exactly. was important. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, for the more vulnerable in your community, what you might have been hearing mm-hmm. from them, because I think we also make an assumption about access to internet and access to telephones. And many of the people that might need this vaccine most might not have either of those things. 
Absolutely. That's something that, you know, we recognized really, really early on after uh, the most recent election, actually. And honestly, just from being a community organizer and the folks on our team have a history of doing community outreach. And so, you know, through those conversations and conversations with local organizations and local folks who on a day to day basis, uh, you know, we're communicating with, we knew very early on in this pandemic that if you want people to make the safest and most informed decisions, you have to get the information to them. Not everybody is watching the news every night or gets updates on their phones or has access to phone and internet and all of the things that many of us use to stay up to date. And so we have a responsibility to make sure that we're eliminating any barriers and that we're making the information as accessible and as easy to understand as possible for people. And that's based on feedback, you know, directly from folks who don't have the same uh, access to resource that many people have and do take for granted sometimes. That change is only as good as the number of people accessing the change to the vaccination program, fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Like this, this change, this update is welcome. It's, it's overdue. It's needed. And people are very, very grateful to now be eligible. But yes, as you just said, you know, the information is only good for the folks who have it. And we need to make sure that every single person in downtown East and in all of the other qualifying locations are aware of the new eligibility and that they're also aware of the opportunities and the options available to them to make sure that they can access the vaccine. Because it's not it's not actually easy for a lot of folks to pick up the phone and make an appointment or go online and, and book online or access the paperwork. So, you know, there's other efforts that have to be made in conjunction with this new uh, update to make sure that absolutely every single person can access a vaccine as soon as they want one. Uzoma Asaguera, NDP MLA for Union Station, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much for the time. We very much appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Stay safe. Let's use this as a springboard to talk about yard work. What's your most hated yard job? Text us a story, 204-780-6868. Chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. Cam Poitras is here. Jeff Braun is here. Jeff Fortier is here. Fortier, why don't we start with you? You live in an apartment now, but before that you lived with your parents. I assume you had to do yard work. Uh, not much, actually. Oh, you And lucky. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Like, when they went on vacation, that's when I would have to do it. Uh, and I'm terrible. One of my least favorite <laughs> things to do is raking leaves. It's such a pain, and you have to try to get every single one of them. And, uh, you know, you have to bend over to pick them up, to put them in a bag. It's so much work, I don't like doing it. It's called <laughs> wait for a breezy day and then pee off your neighbors. Or <laughs> Yes, that, that too. Or else, you know, you just take the lawnmower and just chop them right up, you know? <laughs> Boom. Just like that. Braun? I'm with Forti. I don't like doing yard work at all either. Now, I've been in an apartment or a condo for the last 25 years, so it's been a quite a while since I've had to. But as a teenager, mowing the lawn was by far my least favorite thing to do. And I, I, I sort of do the thing where I do a really, really bad job of it and then just kind of hope dad would get the point you know it's like oh just terrible at this maybe we shouldn't ask him to do it anymore but no i just got yelled at and go back out there and do it properly <laughs> poitras uh well i used to hate cutting the grass and then i uh got rid of my pull start gasoline 
piece of garbage uh, lawnmower that I hated having to start, and you just pull and pull, and the damn thing never works. <laughs> and um, but I just now I just got a battery operated. I just push a button, and it just goes, and it's it's beautiful. So I, I suggest everybody just move away from those pull start old old fashioned. But where would you work your frustrations out? That thing is you just yell at it. No, now I have no Come frustrations. On, you just my, get going. My, kicks it. my life is stress free now. I have no worries. <laughs> I have I have a push start. Lawnmower. What else? Do I have? To, I got nothing else in it's my life. It's funny that you said about. that. I was taking a walk uh, on Saturday, and I, I went past somebody who was using one of those electric lawnmowers. You can't hear it. I was like, "Are you cutting oh, the grass?" Like you're just, right beside just me. Everybody, move to that level. Get rid of your gasoline guzzling, bad for the environment, all that other stuff. Whatever. <laughs> right. Add all of that horrible, you know, adjectives attached to it. And move on to your push start lawnmower. It's quiet. It's beautiful. It starts immediately, and it gets the job job done just as quick. I will admit that I uh, I kind of like the convenience because I had an electric mower, but it was a plug in mower. Yeah, I don't I have. Had, one I had of those. like a two hundred <laughs> foot extension cord for it. It was brutal. I had to keep it wrapped around my arm. I hated that part of it. It was so <laughs> inconvenient, but it was nice not having to do the start. But I missed the, every time I used it. I missed the sound of the gasoline mower. I have not gotten angrier. Than having to start those things, like I had to do a, a um, uh, uh, what, what are those things? They like clear snow. What are they called again? The snow blower, snow thrower, yeah, snow blower. The angriest I've ever been. And I just got back from Europe, and I, my dad was there was a huge snowstorm. I was trying to get it going, and my dad just, I, my dad was sitting there laughing at me on the desk as I was like smashing things in the shed. I was so angry, I couldn't get the thing started, and I, I swore off gasoline stuff like that after that. I couldn't, I can't take it. What kind of car do you drive? Gasoline, but I guess what? I just turn a key. <laughs> Good question, Brett. That was great. Backling. I'm with Cam on the uh, battery-operated lawnmower. I've had one for about four years. It's one of the better investments I think I've ever made. You can actually speak to someone on the phone while you're cutting your grass, which is something that was impossible to do when you're using the gasoline operated. So that's the biggest benefit in terms of the of the side benefits of, of using the battery operated. And I got lots of battery to cut the lawn at least twice before I have to recharge it. But the worst chore is cleaning the eaves troughs. I have a giant maple tree in my front yard and it's beautiful when it's in full bloom. However, the lead up to getting it to full bloom right now, it's got these little cherry miniature cherry sort of type seeds on them so those like to blow off in the wind so that's fun for about uh, two weeks uh, probably straight through until may and then you get the little seedlings the helicopters we used to call them and they come down so it forces you to yes i do this vacuum my front lawn with my <laughs> with my uh, big uh, big uh, portable vacuum and then in the fall, when the leaves come down, yes, raking is horrible. Getting them out of the gutters or the eaves troughs is even worse. So you vacuum your my... lawn? Sorry, I gotta go dial this back. What? Yeah, I get the shop back out. I asked Dorothy Doby one time. I said, like, what's the best approach to these little helicopters from the maple trees, the little seedlings? She says it's probably easiest just to vacuum them, rake them if you can, and, and then vacuum up the ones you can't rake. And so, yes, I've been out of my front lawn. There's just a little section of it with my shop vac. I, I don't know why I'm such a slave to the to It's the, okay, Greg. To the I, I use a, but here I am. I use a snowblower to move the dirty clothes off my floor. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can <All> right. use... <laughs> 
different machines for different things. <laughs> so we'll hear Loren's story coming up at 718. In the meantime, you got to text us 204-780-6868. Tell us a story about your most hated yard job and tell us why for your chance to win that $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. I play this song for Loren because I feel like that would solve your problem this morning with your computer, which has been rebooting for the last hour or so. Is it back up and running? She's back, baby. <laughs> yeah! Sledgehammer Ugh. averted. I can't tell you the angst that comes, you know, like it, it's pretty simple work setup I have here and it's gone really well for the last year there's been an excellent connection 399 straight days with you two in terms of being able to hear you and talk to you but over the last week this laptop has made me sweat it's making, it's making me sweat as I every morning not sure what I'm going to get so maybe it just needs some sort of like uh, cleaning you know like, a, like one of those hard cans of spray where you spray the air compressed air just clean it right out. You know what you, you could also do is just take it outside into the front street and uh, see how far you can f- launch it like a discus. I feel like <laughs> that that uh, would work out well. Greg, what do you think? <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. Actually, yesterday we... Uh, we, as a family, went to uh, the drive-thru for uh, burgers. We had teen burgers yesterday, and we went and parked over by the disc golf course, over by Happyland Park in St. Boniface, mm-hmm. as opposed to sitting in the in the very romantic parking lot and, and eating our food. We were watching people play this disc golf. Maybe we could start a new sport, old laptops, break them in half, and then <laughs> fling them across the disc golf course and uh, and charge people to do it or frolf be some genuine satisfaction there what's that Brett? or, or frolf i think that's another or way frolf. to call it frisbee golf <laughs> frisbee golf uh in the meantime we must talk restrictions because loren new restrictions will be announced later today yeah we don't know when they'll go into effect but we do know that that announcement is coming at 12 30 with both premier brian palster and dr brent rusin speaking at that time and of course we'll carry that update live here on 680 cjob but while we wait many are wondering greg what those restrictions will look like yeah and obviously some angst involved lauren remillard is the president and ceo of the winnipeg chamber of commerce joins us now good morning lauren good morning so how are your members feeling uh, this morning? I know you conveyed uh, some succinct thoughts about the process and what we might see today uh, on social media yesterday. But uh, what are you hearing from your members as we head into the beginning of this week? Well, it's definitely anxiety, uh, stress. Uh, it's been a roller coaster ride for, for every business uh, during COVID, uh, never knowing whether the hope that you're feeling today will turn into despair tomorrow. Uh, knowing that the situation we find ourselves in right across Manitoba in large part is not a function of anything the business owner or operator has done. Uh, They are being held to account for decisions being made by many others. And I think that's that's where a lot of the frustration is born um, in that many business owners are saying, we've led the way from day one, we've done all the right things, we've gone above and beyond the call of duty, and the transmission is not coming from our business, our sector, 
And yet the measures being contemplated are always how do we shut down business? It's quite frustrating. What are you hoping to hear from today from the province? We're, we're hoping to hear that uh, numbers are declining and uh, that uh, we don't need additional public health orders, but I think they wouldn't call the press conference to necessarily say that. Uh, so what we're really hoping today is ultimately uh, that they present, if they're going to make any measures uh, for business, that they present the data to support that. Because, again, a lot of the frustration is born by people saying, why are you penalizing us when the data we don't know? Uh, you've told us, Dr. Atwal, Dr. Rusin have said repeatedly, business is not the source of this third wave transmission. So if there's going to be measures, they better have the data to support it and, and present that to business. And then secondly, whatever measures, if they take today, it needs to be followed with significant business support. We've seen in BC, they've just introduced a circuit breaker business relief program that actually scales up the level of support for your business based on the number of employees you have. Ultimately, we recognize government is doing the best that it can under extraordinary circumstances, but business is not only doing the best that it can, but they are suffering greatly at uh, due to various public health orders, and not just one. It's that roller coaster ride that's devastating to so many. Yeah, you mentioned in the phrase roller coaster, it really is what it is, Lauren. And the idea that we've heard in the past week from our top doctors that gatherings are a concern, um, outdoor gatherings, indoor gatherings, what have you. And so I know that that's what many businesses are saying. If that's the problem, go after the problem. Otherwise, give us the data, as you say, to back it up. Many had hoped the summer might be the place to have some hope. And now here we are, you know, on the cusp of um, late spring heading into summer, not really knowing what might be. So how many businesses in Winnipeg alone might go under if we have another round of restrictions? You know, and it, that's always going to be a very difficult question to, to, to answer. Business, by its nature, is an optimistic venture. Uh, you believe in yourself. You believe in your team. You believe in your product or service. And you're going to continue to fight to stay open, to, to stay viable for as long as you can. I think what's you're really going to see the impact on business closures uh, once all the business relief programs are done. Uh, once business uh, it ultimately has to start paying back some of the debt that they've accumulated to keep themselves viable. Uh, that's where you're going to see successive waves of business closures. It's not all going to happen at once. So, um, again, once those business relief programs start, then we can start to really start to the fog will clear and we'll get a much better sense of uh, what the true impact of COVID has been on our business community. Lauren, it's also got to be frustrating because you have some sectors of business and you know this, that are having record years, are having incredible success right now. And then you have other sectors who have never seen anything like what they're dealing with right now and, and will hopefully never, ever have to deal with it again. How do you, how do you balance that all out? I mean, that, that, that's a, a huge amount of disparity within the business climate and the business, uh, business uh, community right now. Well, you know, that's the, the nature of any crisis. There's always going to be those that uh, suffer the bulk of the negative impact and others that just, you know, not not that they're exploitative or anything along the lines of that. It's just the nature. Like um, if you owned a bike shop uh, since COVID, you've done extraordinarily well because people have been turning to this one form of recreation they can undertake. Uh and, and you've just been in the right place at the right time. 
from a, a retail perspective on, on that uh, trend, if you will. So it, it's, that is just the nature of any crisis. But at the same time, even the businesses that we speak to that have, have done uh, either you know, as well as they have historically or historically better, um, th- there's still impact. Uh, you know, the stress on their employees. When we met with our member companies back in December uh, during really the height of the, the second wave, the mental well-being and the physical well-being of staff was the number one concern our members had. Uh, they are worried about where where their their staff are and their loved ones, and they they see the toll that it's taking on them, and and they that's their concern. Now, bottom line, they might be doing well, um, but at the end of the day, they recognize the long-term health of their companies rely on the long-term well-being of their employees, and uh, it, it's it's a major concern. Lauren Remillard is the president and CEO of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Lauren, thank you very much for this. Thank you for having me. Lauren McNabb, which your job do you hate? I find weeding deeply satisfying. I like it when I pull those bad boys out and I can look at the tentacles and say, that was a good one. I really got you. But I hate, and you guys know this, I hate staining the deck. (laughs) And it's up for it again this year. Again. It's like I can't get through more than one season without having to do that deck again. And I just, I want to, I just, I want to rip, light it on fire. I don't know. If I had known then, 10 years ago, what I know now. I would have built that deck out of something else. There's probably enough coats of stain on there that that thing will go up, like go up in flames in nanoseconds. So text us the yard jobs you hate doing. Tell us a story. 204-780-6868. Chance to win $20 gift card. Santa Lucia pizza. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. Keys to the game coming up just after 8.10. And we are also asking you at 204-780-6868 to text us about your least favorite yard job. We're talking about pesticides, that cosmetic pesticide ban. Where is the review from the province on that legislation? $20 gift card up for grabs for Santa Lucia Pizza. And Rob says, I think my worst yard work job is, and it's one I have to do at least once a year, is to transplant my wife's plants. She'll decide where she wants things, but by the end of the season or early in the next season, I'm moving them to different places. And she always (laughs) seems to want to do it after it just rained. Could it be that she's messing with you, Rob? 204-780-6868 for a chance to win that gift card. We'll give that away just after 9.15. But in the meantime... We want to switch gears here and talk about the vaccine because we're about to meet a Winnipeg man who has terminal cancer and he wants to know why the Manitoba government is not prioritizing people like him, Greg, for the coronavirus vaccine. His name is Tim Fennell. He's 39 years old and one year ago, just as lockdowns were beginning, he was diagnosed with bladder cancer. He's currently undergoing immunotherapy which he was told could extend his life by a year or two, pardon me, a year or two if it's successful. And so to help give him the best quality of life during this time, he's also looking for the COVID vaccine, Loren. Tim joins us now. And Tim, we want to thank you for taking the time to talk about something that's so deeply personal. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm I'm doing uh, 
relatively well, all things considered this morning. Thanks. Oh. All things considered, is it's all about perspective, I suppose, and and this is a good dose of perspective for me this morning because I've, you know, as much as challenging as the past year has been for you, you've had this whole battle now with cancer. Could you take us back to your diagnosis and just talk about what the past twelve or so months have, have been like, Tim? Yeah. So over the last year or so, I guess a little bit more than a year, uh, actually, within a week or so of. Uh, when the COVID uh, lockdown started is when I got my diagnosis uh, for bladder cancer. And fairly soon after I started um, chemotherapy, which went on for about two months. And then throughout last summer, uh, spent some time recovering from that so I could prepare for major surgery, which happened in early August. Um, So I was in the hospital after that surgery for about 10 days and spent a lot of the fall recovering um, and then into uh, into the fall I guess around November December I started having symptoms again um, uh, and uh, it was clear that the cancer had come back so since that point I've had radiation therapy to deal with the cancer in uh, uh, again that was appearing reappearing in my pelvic area and uh, we've, I've also experienced um, cancer reappearing in my lungs as well, in two spots in my lungs. Uh, and uh, we're trying to tackle that with immunotherapy at this point. But now, uh, given that the cancer's reappeared in my lungs, uh, that puts me at a stage four diagnosis, which uh, for bladder cancer is uh, usually a... Uh, terminal diagnosis, uh, barring some kind of miracle, uh, um, it's likely that I have uh, probably about a year or two uh, assuming my uh, immunotherapy actually works. How would a vaccine change things for you? Uh, Well, there are a lot of things that we worry about you know, cancer patients and other people dealing with uh, medical conditions similar to mine and uh, just day-to-day worrying about our health and, you know, in an immunocompromised state, I'm worried about um, infections of all kinds, but uh, COVID is particularly scary because really if I, if I was exposed to COVID, I would probably uh, not survive. Tim, uh, first of all, it's Greg here, and I just plain and simply just want to commend you for your bravery in this battle against cancer and the terminology and the words you're using. This is clearly a a cause you're taking on not only for yourself, but for others. I can hear it with the words you're using with our uh, multiple times. You're not just thinking about yourself here. You're thinking about others. And in a time like this, man, there is nothing more gracious than that and so i just wanted to make sure i conveyed that to you on a on a personal level and thank you for being with us today there's you know you're you're counting days here and it's it's hard to say that out loud i can't imagine what it's like to to hear it what have you been told as to why cancer patients like you aren't being given a higher priority are you giving have you been given a reason why it is the way it is uh so I've reached out to my MLA, and he's um, sent uh, many communications on on my behalf to the Minister of Health. And at this point, we've only received uh, 
canned responses uh, with links to um, the uh, recommendations of the National Advisory on Immunization, um, which the Manitoba government claims to be following. But if you look at those recommendations, um, they very clearly lay out that uh, they strongly recommend that uh, people with medical conditions like mine and those that are uh, that have disabilities and the, they list others uh, should be prioritized for the for an M- MNRA vaccine like the Pfizer vaccine um, unless there's clear and compelling evidence uh, to the contrary uh, and I haven't seen any clear and compelling evidence uh, and it hasn't been presented in any kind of public way uh, so I'd like to see what this evidence is, and I'd ask that the leaders of the uh, province and the vaccination team provide that. Tim, is the only thing that's holding you back right now, like, is the age factor for you? It's not about necessarily being a cancer patient. Is it because you're 39 and so you're not in that age group yet that qualifies? Yeah, so there are a few reasons, or a few a few things. So Originally, when the AstraZeneca vaccine was introduced in Manitoba, uh, they did the province did prioritize people with medical conditions, and they've since taken those priorities down from the eligibility. Um, and but when that happened, uh, I called around to many of the pharmacies that were providing it, and they all said the criteria is 50 and up. Um, so it's always really been an age limitation. And at this point, really, there are no people of any age group um, with medical conditions or disabilities that are being prioritized in Manitoba for vaccines. Age is really the only category at this point. So then we understand that you have found somebody who will vaccinate you earlier. Uh, we're not going to name them, but you know, why are they willing to help you? Uh, well, I, I, you know, because I advocate for myself, uh, like I'm doing right now and advocating for others, um, you know, I have connections with people and, uh, know people that know pharmacy, pharmacists or know doctors who can advocate on my behalf and are willing to, to do things for me. Um, not everyone has that, uh, has that advantage and, uh, uh, to be honest, I shouldn't have to go down those routes to pursue a vaccine. Uh, I believe that people um, in Manitoba, in my condition, should have access to a vaccine and an M- MNRA vaccine, which is recommended by the uh, NACA um, uh, for you know for everyone who who meets these this criteria. And I don't understand why the the province is not following those guidelines. Listening to you, I don't think I understand it either, Tim. And and so uh, uh, this vaccine that you have been able to line up because you, you're looking for the mRNA one, uh, perhaps it's a Pfizer dose. When are you planning to get it? And what are you hoping that gives you in terms of at least some peace of mind? Well, uh, I'm hoping to get it on May 20th, and that is because I'm on immunotherapy and can only receive a vaccine on a specific date um, because of how the immunotherapy impacts 
the way my immune system would respond to a vaccination. Uh, obviously, many other people would be in the same position as me. Um, so I, uh, you know, I really ask that the province find a way for people like me, uh, those with disabilities and and um, medical conditions, to book a vaccine, an MNRA vaccine on specific dates that meets the requirements of their medical condition. And so far, one, people under 30 or under 40 in Manitoba don't qualify. Um, And two, um, booking a vaccine on a specific date is nearly impossible in Manitoba. Tim? We uh, hope that you defy the odds here as you uh, work to uh, fight against something that defies logic for a lot of us. Thank you so much and, and, and all the best. I appreciate your time. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question that went up Friday afternoon, we're actually leaving it this morning because of the newser with Premier Brian Pallister and Dr. Brent Roosan at 1230, where they will unveil additional public health measures. The question is, do you think Manitoba should get ahead of the third wave and shut things down until enough people are vaccinated? 57% say yes, we should learn from what happened to our neighbours. 43% say no, the restrictions are fine the way they are. We've also asked that poll on Twitter at 680CJOB. Tons of engagement there so far. Thank you for everybody who engages with us on social media. But indeed, uh, Greg Mackling, we are expecting more restrictions. And uh, we've heard from Chamber of Commerce this morning. We've heard some from some restaurateurs on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people are nervous about what could be coming down the pike. Yeah, without Question and and why wouldn't you be? I mean, listen, nobody wants to see this. Uh, despite of what you were accused of on Twitter this morning, uh, a very intelligent uh, comment here. Here we go. Brian Palster and Brent Rusin are giving into the COVID nineteen Manitoba anti freedom folks and the media mob. <laughs> you know, if I can for just one second. I haven't said this on air, but I've texted it to numerous people who have accused us of being part of some sort of conspiracy here in the media. If you have any idea how media companies earn their income, you would understand that the last thing media companies want are businesses to go out of business, businesses to slow down, businesses to be in a situation where they aren't advertising. That's how we make our money is through advertising. And so if the health of businesses is compromised in any way, shape, or form, that affects our bottom line. It affects our job security. So I would like to just put that whole notion to rest for people who think that we are here spewing some sort of pre-scripted diatribe based on our digital overlords assessments and commands. That's not what's going on here and for anybody to think otherwise is absolutely ridiculous, Lorraine. Not to mention the fact that we live in the same world you all do. You know, our kids go to school, we, we go to work, we have friends and family who work in businesses that are struggling for their very lives right now. We've, we live in this world too. 
And we don't, I do not like you. I do not want to see further restrictions, but that's where we're at. We were warned several times over the past two weeks, just like we were warned in October. And so here we are. I do think that Lauren Remiard of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce made a good point this morning in saying, like the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce did on Twitter as well, whatever comes today, let's just make sure and hope that we get some info to back it up, some data. So if it's about businesses that might have to to close again, where's the data to show that transmission has occurred there? If it's about schools staying open, let's talk about the data that's there. If it is about the gatherings, let's talk about the close contacts that people are having and how this is or is not working. And I think that's what people are looking for right now. The more information, the better. Because again, it's not cheesy to say we are all in this together, Brett. What happens at 1230 Hits you, hits me, hits Greg, hits everybody in our lives. So let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. You can email us anytime. Mackling at cjob.com, McNabb at cjob.com, or Brett at cjob.com. And again, you can weigh in on the question of the day at cjob.com and on Twitter at 680CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, you may have heard... In our last segment, a loud bang in the background. It wasn't quite that loud. It was just enough to kind of, I raised an eyebrow and Jeff Fortune said, what was that noise? And Greg thought, I don't know, kids are up, uh, painters here. But Loren, it, it came from your abode. Yeah, and I had secretly hoped that the dog had finally knocked over the grandfather clock that I don't want in my house anymore and that I would <laughs> finally be able to destroy that clock. But... Then I didn't hear the dog move after that loud crash, crash and then I thought, uh-oh, the dog might be hurt. <laughs> so while Bob was talking, I cranked up the audio on my headphones and raced upstairs, and there's the dog licking a knife with cheese on it that he had jumped on the counter, knocked over, along with a cutting board, because I had made the kids toast before they took off for school with some cheese, and uh, he was licking the knife just as casually as could be. So, you know, dogs. <laughs> This dog, I'm telling you, is giving us a run for our money right now. He's he's much larger than he – well, I knew he was going to be big, but he's large enough now that he can reach up onto counters. So if you don't push, put things to the middle – I came up during a commercial break the other day, and he had thrown up tomatoes all over <laughs> the floor. And I thought, how did he get the tomatoes? And then I remember I had washed them and put them on the counter, and you know, then he ate them. So yeah, you can't, you can't leave anything on the, the counter edge uh, and that that will go for the rest of your dog's life uh, because it's it will be difficult for them. I to can't avoid. handle that. He <laughs> needs to learn. No, Moose. No, I'm not. I'm not shoving things to the back of the counter for the rest of this dog's life. No, he needs to <laughs> well, stop be taking prepared things for off more the crashing counter. and banging then. Learn, well, cause... I'm not I'm not having it. I came up the stairs the, uh, the other day. There was pots all over the floor that he had knocked over because he just thought maybe there might be food in them. And they had been washed and sitting on the counter. He's, he chewed up the uh, bathroom toilet brush. Which I didn't discover until I was cleaning up his bathroom messes. And I was like, what is that? And I was like, ew, it's the stuff from the toilet brush. <laughs> oh, so he, he indulged in the business end of the toilet brush. Did his, the business did end of the, the stick. Not just the handle, like uh. the part that goes in the toilet. And he ate, oh, uh, wonderful. He ate a wooden spoon. They have spoon. no pride. He ate a wooden spoon. Two wooden spoons, actually. I was telling you that yesterday, Brett. And then <laughs> last night, 
I went out to the kitchen and I could hear him. You can, you always know you're like laying there and you need to go to bed and you're like, what is Moose up to? And you go out and he is up to something. You can tell he's kind of something scratched on the floor and then another wooden spoon he had gotten a hold of. He had eaten and the kids donuts. They asked me today where their donuts were. And I was like, you know where they are? They're in Moose's belly because somebody left the pantry door open. The donuts are gone. How is he, how he's alive is beyond me to be quite honest. Am I to guess that the cheese was not marble cheese? What kind of cheese was it? It was actually cheese whiz. <laughs> Joke's on you, Moose. Not even real cheese. <laughs> I said to my dad, I told this story to my dad about the wooden spoon. He's like, oh, yeah, chocolate labs, they'll eat anything. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, eat it, eat it, though. Yeah. Like, there's know. holes in the yard where dirt has been dug out. There's no pile of dirt, so he's eating the dirt. <laughs> Like the dirt is gone. Uh, but he's so happy. Oh, he's if such a nice any, dog. If you need any dirt removed from your house, by the way, I'll just bring Moose over and he'll eat the dirt. Right now, we want to talk about how nine mornings ago, we lamented a dramatic move in the price of gasoline. This needs some music to this as we have this dramatic intro on the 16th of April. Gas prices moved to 127.9. It was a jaw-dropping drop, and prices have stayed there since. There is always outrage and furor over these prices. I can't even read this. I'm so angry. But, of course, we will continue to fill our tanks, Gray. Yeah, because we have no choice. But the question... Why? 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 We ask. We welcome Enpro's Chief Petroleum Analyst Roger McKnight back to the start. Roger, thanks once again for joining us on this Monday morning. You're very welcome. So we need to know the why on this one. Does it make sense? And dare I ask if the price increases that we've seen over the last uh, 10, 11 days are justifiable? I think a lot of it's it's not running on straight uh, subjective supply and demand, uh, boring uh, statistics. Uh, you know, it does not work in that way. I think it's working more on emotion. I think it's very, uh, very uh, subjective what's going on. Prices are moving because there's optimism uh, that this the vaccine rollout in the United States is being is successful. This has uh, increased uh, consumer confidence. Uh, people are peeking out their doors and getting in their cars and starting to drive more. This is what, this is what the traders and speculators on Wall Street are saying. It's really running on. It's not running on on, on numbers. It's running on emotion. And the the more uh, confident that the confidence numbers go up, the more the demand will go up theoretically, and that will uh, and that's driving. That's what's driving prices right now. It's strictly emotion. So as I listen to that, and I think, so you're telling me emotion runs the market? Like we're at, we're at the, our wallets are being held prisoner by people's emotions? Um, yeah, that's pretty well exactly what I said. It's, if this vaccine rollout continues to be successful, it's going to get people back on the road. If, it, if it, it starts to fall apart, then the prices go in the opposite direction. But I'm, I'm, what I'm really looking at now, as far as uh, forecasting is concerned, I'm, I'm looking at, at jet fuel uh, demand. That's that's the real that's the real cruncher. If if the airlines are starting to move, if people are starting to travel again by air, that's going to increase demand for for jet fuel, which increases, which is a part of the barrel of crude, and prices will con- will continue to go up. There is a point in time when the, the, the crude cost gets uh, so high that it, it uh, uh, encourages shale oil production in the United States, and then the OPEC says, well, we don't want to lose our market share, so we'll, 
we'll drop the price of crude down uh, down again, and off we go on this roller coaster. Until then, though, I mean, we always hear just the, the basic phrase, supply and demand. The demand yeah, yeah. isn't really there right now. Uh, let's start with the roads, first of all. Uh, you know, people aren't traveling like they would normally, at least not at the beginning of this summer. Yeah. So the demand, in theory, isn't there. So, again, I still feel like I struggle to understand why the price would be so high. Well, that's that's the problem. Uh, when people look at the numbers, demand is up for gasoline is actually up. Uh, 61% uh, versus last year, and jet fuel is now up, uh, up, demand is up 63%. But those are, those are f- uh, phony numbers to look at because this time last year, I mean, gasoline pr- uh, uh, prices were uh, like 67 cents in, in Winnipeg. That was because it caught the crude market collapsed, and the reason it collapsed is this, uh, this damn pandemic uh, started to raise its ugly head and people started to get scared. So demand is up for gasoline and and jet fuel and distillates and distillates as well so uh those are those are numbers that are, uh, traders are looking at they're seeing a, a spike in an increase in demand but it's a really a false number to look at so we're looking at speculation here and and obviously yeah. a terrific explanation of, of how that's affecting what we're seeing here because for most of us roger over the you know the course of uh, at least the last 20 or 30 years, there seemed to be, seemed, I'll put in quotation marks, a correlation between the world oil price, the Canadian dollar, and supply. And there seemed to be some sort of abacus uh, that was dedicated to gasoline prices that might be able to correlate those three things and generate within a few cents a, a liter the 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 gas price and what it should look like. Is that correlation being reset coming out of the pandemic is is no longer $62 a barrel of gas equal or a barrel of oil equal a dollar a liter like is that whole calculation going to get thrown out the window now well what we're looking at what I'm looking at right now is I'm looking at our prices nationally and Winnipeg is included uh, we're looking at we're we're sitting at prices that were available in 2019 and in April of 2019 in Winnipeg, the price was at $1.27. Uh, uh, in May, it, it's dropped down to $1.23. In June, $1.11. So in Winnipeg today, it's $1.22. So we're looking at prices getting back to the 2019 uh, scenario. And that revert, then that reverts back to uh, the, uh, the refinery runs. This, this time of year, for the last 15 years, Prices go up and they peak right about now. This is because the refineries have uh, geared back and have, and have now got ready for the summer driving season, which may be delayed, but that's that's all coming back. So uh, I'm going back to my old formula. Yeah, I look at I look at refinery runs, uh, any problems with pipelines, this sort of thing. So that's the sort of thing I'm looking at right now, and we're right back to where we were in 2019. Collective Hello? sigh here, I think. Yeah, we're here. We're just, I guess we're all befuddled. We're just bothered by the notion that there's just no rhyme nor reason. And I think that Brett put it best, as he often does. Uh, we're, we're at the mercy of others who, who really, at the end of the day, don't necessarily have a stake in this other than to see uh, future prices to continue to rise. Fair to say? 
Uh, fair to say, and uh, unfortunately, gas prices and gasoline prices, pump prices in Canada aren't made in Canada. They're, they're, they follow whatever happens in the United States. And right now, today, that's based on, on speculation, uh, not hard supply and demand number. The, the supply is there. There's no problem with supply of, of gasoline, diesel, or distillates. Demand uh, is up, but I think that's, as I just discussed, that's theoretical and emotional. So uh, it's, it's a coin toss, um, but I think we're right back to 2019 pre-pandemic uh, numbers. Roger McKnight is NPRO's Chief Petroleum Analyst, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Roger, thank you very much for the insight. We very much appreciate it, sir. I hope that didn't confuse you. It confuses me. <laughs> well, at least we can admit that, right? That's where we yeah. need to be. Okay. Julie is going to be our winning text, but we have a couple. We sort of found a theme here that we can weave together uh, as we make our way to Julie's text. Uh, the first one here. I do not like whippersnipping. All the bits of grass stuck all over your pants isn't fun. Would you rather they be I, in your leg? I love whippersnipping. I find that super satisfying, just taking things down with that spinning <laughs> string of death that can hurt so much if you aren't paying attention, but... Yeah, I, I took like a I took a chunk out of my shed oh, yeah. with that thing. Like, wow, I'm glad I didn't hit myself with that. So that was a lesson learned. Uh, also, <laughs> also a reason why I'm a terrible homeowner because I suck at all that stuff. Uh, you see this one from Rob here, Greg? Yeah, morning, guys. This is Rob. I think my worst yard work that I have to do and do and I do it at least once a year is to transplant my wife's plants. She'll decide that she wants things uh, where she wants things rather. But by the end of the season or early <laughs> the next season, I'm moving them to different places. And she always seems to want to do it after it just rained, of course. Mm, <laughs> see, Thanks, Rob, appreciate and this, you there sharing was a that. There was a few like that. This one came in not long ago saying, my least favorite yard job is moving flower pots. Every year, despite my protest, my wife insists on planting all of her flower pots in early May. She says she likes to enjoy the spring colors as early as possible. But the only problem is we're still in that time of year where the overnight temperatures drop below freezing. Thus, several times over the next few weeks, it will be my task to move all the flower pots into the garage of the house every evening and then put them all back in their proper places the next day. Every year... I begged her not to do any planting until after the May long weekend, but unfortunately, this dance will continue for the next several years to come. Then, James adds, we all know, happy wife, happy life. Oh, LOL. There it mm-hmm. is. Yes, dear, is the answer you're looking for, James. Ah, come on. And Julie, very quickly, I'll say, Julie says, my least favorite yard job is watching my husband till my flower beds. We have a large yard, and in the flower garden are mature, mature trees and perennials. Three times a year, it gets tilled, spring, summer, and fall. And every spring, I clean up the fall mess, removing the dead leaves from the plants. I place small sticks where the plants are so my husband can go around. And every spring, he tills over one of them, <laughs> claiming he didn't see the stick. I watch in fury as I secretly think if he tills over one a year eventually there will be nothing left to till smart man side note he also seems to step on a nail or glass once a year as well while tilling I think that's karma from mother nature I think Julie plants those in there that's going to be the lesson for the husband stop tilling her plants Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.